0: Five, four, three, two, one.
1: I don't even know what's happening.
2: <laughs> but in sport mode, and you're gonna flop.
0: I just exactly how awesome was, dude. To...
1: Mighty Mighty. Five, four,
0: tour. three, two.
1: You've got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper.
0: America. Damn, I forgot the bananas.
1: I love this. That will do. Crashing, banging, booming. You know what that hard rock music and the sound of our voices means. It's Thursday, and it's time for the Topspeed.com podcast. Topspeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing automotive things that exist out there in the ether of tubes and Googles and whatnots. Hello, everybody. I'm Christian Moe. Joining me today is our editor in chief, Justin Coupler. Hello, Justin.
0: Hello, Christian. Hello, Top Speeders. And yes, Christian forgot to turn off the YouTube feed.
1: As <laughs> always. It's, it's like a tradition right right It's not always. The last couple of shows I got it right. This time I just didn't.
0: <laughs> it's always wait for it, wait for it, fine. Ah, oh, there it is. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I heard the bonk again, I was like, oh no, I heard the bonk of us starting the YouTube feed. Crap. All right. Anyways, also joining us is Mr. Mark McNabb. Hello, Mark. What's up, guys?
2: How y'all doing today? everyone's good and ready for a good show we're good we got a lot of questions today too so i'm excited we do thank you everybody for
1: that um because yeah like we had no questions last last week and then up until like a day and a half ago we had no questions for this week either and then like a day and a half or two days ago you guys all jumped on there really quick and i got an own drive burn suggestion and a bunch of questions and it's all awesome so i i appreciate that thank you guys um also i did just have a question for you um, since it was so long for you guys to throw all the questions in, like, what day do you guys usually listen to the podcast? Like, if you don't listen to us live, like, when do you usually listen to us? Uh, drop that in the comments or hit us up on the Twitters, you know, uh, at TopSpeed Pod- Podcast, or send us an email, podcast at topspeed.com. We're just sort of interested in when you guys listen to this, so we can sort of maybe adjust when we might do it live, or just so we can have better in- insight into how you guys actually listen to the show.
2: Yeah, and well, whether you do it on you YouTube or on
1: iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, that would be nice to know, too. Do you listen? Do you watch us on YouTube or do you listen to us on iTunes? Just sort of let us know how and when you like, like to listen to us. Just, just, just don't, don't like, tell
0: that you're watching it at midnight on a Saturday because uh, I'm not going to be here. Well, no.
1: <laughs> we obviously probably won't be able to do a live podcast on Saturday night at midnight. But if that's when you like to listen to it, let me know. And I'll think you're probably kind of weird, but cool. Maybe, maybe I'll have a special one-man pod, podcast just for you to tune in live if you like to listen at Saturday at midnight.
2: With like club music and glow lights and stuff. It won't be a rave. No. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, no. <laughs> we I start talking
1: about cars now. I think, at think the a same thing- time, though, while we are going to talk talk about cars, if I do hold a one-man pod, podcast at like midnight on Saturday, I cannot promise there will not be beer or whiskey involved.
0: Well, I mean that's a requirement at that. That's
1: just it's just a thing if it's going to be Saturday night at midnight. So,
0: all right. Uh let's go ahead and yeah, actually talk about
1: um some cars. Um ooh, quick announcement. So, I just did a review for the F1 2014 video game a few weeks ago. Um if you've never played one of the F1 games, it's pretty good. Um I didn't like it quite as much as last year because they took out one of my favorite little pieces, but overall it's a solid solid game. But um I'm getting a whole bunch of those to give away. So pay attention to the podcast, pay attention to the website, uh, there should be more news on that soon, alright, like within a week or so, but I'm getting a bunch of copies for Xbox 360 and for PlayStation 3, and I'm going to be giving them away to people, so if you want free video games, pay attention, alright. So, let's go ahead and jump into Weekly Wheels, um, technically the only one with the Weekly Wheels this week is Mark, oh, Halty says hi, hi Halti. Hello, hello. Um, so yeah, technically Mark is the only one with the Weekly Wheels. Um, but I am back in cars. I just got a new car like a day and a half ago, two days
2: ago, so I'll have something for next week. But uh, go ahead, Mark, and take it away. So, yeah, I might be the only one with the weekly wheels, but mine was fantastically awesome enough to be the only car we talk about for basically half the show, and that was the 2015 Mercedes-Benz GLA 45 AMG. Holy crap, I fell in love with this car, like something fierce. Um. It came with the Sport Recaro seats, which are fantastically awesome. And obviously it has that two-liter four-cylinder with a turbo making 350 horsepower. Just ridiculous. I mean, I compare this car so much to the Fiat 500
1: and the fact that it's
2: just a barth. That last part's important. (laughs) Yes, very important. Uh, It's just – it's those – it's an unsaid, understood – part of the Fiat 500. Uh, but yeah, the Abarth. And it just it's like loud and raucous and noisy and fun and small, and it's a hoot to drive. But, and I think we said this last week on the show too, this car doesn't fail at being a car when you don't need a small compact thing. Like, it actually works. It's got five seats, and you can put crap in it, and you can lay the back seats down. Um, See, it that's uh, what's wrong with the Fiat. It doesn't it's feel like a it's a Like the Zach Bowman, it doesn't feel like it's riding on a pickle bucket type thing. Like, (laughs) it's a nice car when you want it to be a car, and it's a great little pocket rocket whenever you want to hog on it. Uh, It's got a dual uh, seven-speed dual clutch transmission, all-wheel drive. (sighs) Like, I had a lot of fun with this car. I am I
1: am jealous. Um, like anything with an AMG badge, I feel like I'm really yeah. low on my frame. Um, anything with an AMG badge is awesome in all the right ways all the time, especially the noise.
2: Like I have never heard an AMG yeah. car that I didn't just be like, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean this thing was too. I mean like I re- the videos online, it's right on the article, and oh my gosh, like. It was so much fun. and I, Every time I got in the car, eco mode went off, sport mode went on, and I was sport mode in the suspension as well just so I could hear that exhaust um, come alive. And, Does it start in eco mode every time? Yeah, it's default setting. Oh, and God. Eco there's got to be a way to change that. I don't know. Well – it's, it's really quick to get out of. It's just a single button on the dash. Click. You're done.
1: So it's but not I just, a setting. I hate, I, I, I hate cars that do that. And it's like well, – and I hate cars that will only hold that setting. So like to all of Toyota's hybrids like or, or like the GS, right, it's got eco mode, normal mode, and sport mode. If you ever put it in eco mode, it will stay in eco mode for all of eternity unless you take it out. If yeah. you put it in sport mode, nope. Every time you turn it on, it's back in normal. Like
2: why? Just if I put it in sport mode, leave it there. Just leave it there. I'll... You know, I kind of like the fact that every time I get in the car, there's a procedure I have to follow in order to get the car where I want it to be. So I feel like I'm like, you know, cockpit getting ready to take off. And I'm like, you go off, sport on, sport on, you know, like. Okay, get I'll give you that. It's like it was really fun. You know, it was like my little thing that I had going on with my little F-16 fighter cockpit oh, seats. okay. I'll give you that I one. like, I I like the jet. And I'm yeah. also – I'm
0: also kind of curious if that has something to do with the EPA. I wonder if maybe it has to be a passive thing where it has to start in the mode that they tested it in. Oh, that's true. That's true. And well, maybe I mean, that's that, how they cheat something.
1: the EPA is they say, well, the car starts in this mode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, probably, yeah, that's yeah. probably how it
2: is, some sort of regulation. Well, I mean, to do that. and the EPA on this wasn't all that great. Um, 23 City, 29 Highway, and I got 24, and I was not being very easy on it most of the time.
0: It's actually not um, too bad for as insane of a car that is.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, for the, being a four-cylinder turbo and being in boost most of the time, yeah.
0: Right, yeah, um, those
2: those really high-strung turbos are really thirsty.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, oh, my gosh. Like, it, it's just such a surprising car because – and it's surprising to me because of this. I drove the GLA 250 at the Texas Truck Rodeo, and I have to be honest, the t- 10 minutes that I was in the car, I was not a fan. It just – it was boring. It was no life to it. Um, they were calling it an SUV, but it wasn't. Uh, we couldn't even take it off-road. It was just the on-road section. I just, <clears throat> But this, it was a completely different car, altogether a completely different car. And so, I think that's what made it fun. Oh, hey, we have someone named Willie Fernandez hanging out with us. Hi, Willie.
1: Hello. Um, so here's my thing that I have to bring up. You called this, not an SUV, but a hot hatch. Yeah. You made fun of me for calling the Juke, not an SUV, but a hot hatch. These Uh, things exist. They are actually hot hatches. They just have like a one-inch lift because nobody will buy a hatchback. It's so they can market it as a crossover. All
2: right, all right. So let it stand for the record that I correct myself. Because not only have I driven this car and realized how fantastically awesome it is, but I also have driven a Juke Nismo R. Fantastic no, no, hot no. hatch.
1: Juke Nismo RS?
2: Yes, that. See, Because the Juke R is the one with the GTR drivetrain.
1: Oh, did they have that at the truck truck rodeo? They did. See, that's, oh God, that's such a great little rocket. And I didn't even have the RS one. I just had the Nismo.
2: No, this was really cool. It's
1: totally a hot hatch in every way.
2: <clears throat> and the best thing about it was... Uh, we were we took a break for lunch, and we were all getting back in the cars. And some of the manufacturers were still back at the at the home base, like eating lunch and stuff like that. But they left all the cars down in the field, obviously all unlocked, all with the keys inside. And I was sitting there, and like here's a lone Nissan. That's the only Nissan that was there. And the Toyota guy is sitting next to it, and he goes like, "I think he's still at lunch, but it doesn't matter. Just take it." <laughs> So I didn't have a babysitter in the car, and it was just me and this six-speed manual.
1: I love how somebody oh. else from the other company is like, do Just man. take it. <laughs>
2: that car. I'll cover it for you. That's exactly what it was. And it was just a blast. So, yeah, these two, you know, with the the GLA45 B&G and then the, the Nissan Juke, I mean, like, Okay. I think this is a manufacturer's backhanded way of giving us hot hatches without actually Calling giving it. us hot hatches. Right, that's it's it's all a marketing game like it, yeah. It, it's it's
1: it's that 1-inch lift that lets them say, "Oh no, no, no it's a crossover." That's totally yeah. what it is.
2: It oh, is... you see these you see these black uh, fender well linings that protect the paint from off-road debris? Yeah, it totally can go off-road. Oh That's yeah,
1: a, it. The fact that it's got a manual transmission and Recaro bucket seats and a high-strung turbo turbocharged turbo engine, it is not. None of that
2: matters at all. No. No.
1: Oh. It's I, got
2: four-wheel drive. Yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> uh, my Juke did not have four-wheel drive. It was front-wheel drive. No, um, yeah. I mean, this one, uh, my Mercedes came with all-wheel drive. But, right. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking at the pictures now, and I just like. I would buy this car. Oh yeah, the I black would, one that I would. the black one that they brought you looks evil. I would buy this car it in a heartbeat. Cool. It looks like Darth Vader. Um,
1: I love your video you did of the exhaust. If you guys haven't checked out Mark's review yet, go do that immediately. He took yeah. a video of just the exhaust. He just set the camera up right behind the car, and he just starts it up and
2: revs the snot out of it, and it sounds incredible. Yeah, and for the record, that was a cold start. It was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I had not touched the car before. That is the first start of the day, cold. And that's what it sounds like. Right? Oh, it's so good.
0: Oh yeah, I must have listened to that video probably six or seven times when I edited it. Wasted so much time doing that, but it's so <laughs> oh, awesome.
1: And, oh, it's and thanks to Mark's new phone, it's all in fancy high
2: def. That's right.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'm going to talk. Yeah, I'm going to talk for like five seconds about my turbocharged two-liter four-cylinder high-strung car that's in the driveway. <laughs> um, I have a Volvo S60. I'm, I'm finally back in rotation. It's been like four or five weeks, but uh, I'm I'm back in cars, and they just showed up on Tuesday. Um, late late Tuesday night, but I have a Volvo S60 T6 Drive-E. Um, that sounds just, swanky. Yeah, just like the X60 that they brought me a few weeks ago, that even though it says T6 on the back, it is not a six-cylinder. It is a four-cylinder, and it is a two-liter turbo, and it's cranked out to 302 horse, horsepower. That's not but bad. But this does not have all-wheel drive. Yeah, no. it, is, it is front-wheel drive. Okay. So, um... I've, I've only put, like, 50 miles on it so far. Um, and it's kind of a handful from from time to time. It's pretty hilarious. Um, the car is tuned to be drivable, so, like, it upshifts frequently. It's got a 7 or 8-speed transmission. I'd, I'd have to look. It's, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's 8. I got this 8-speed auto in it. Um, it's really smooth. It upshifts frequently. It keeps me down low in the rev, rev range. But, like, when you want to pass somebody... Like, um, I got stuck behind this tractor on one of these back roads. So the road is 45 miles an hour. We're going about 13. Um, But the car's in, like, fourth gear. So I just stand on it. It goes click, 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 click. And then it tries to launch me. But um, I go almost into the ditch first because as soon as it bites, it tugs hard to the right and oh I swing my. to the left because I just have <laughs> all of this power coming out of nowhere because it's 300 horsepower just going to the front, the front wheels. And the car, like, scampers away like a puppy on, on linoleum trying to get around this tractor. It was hilarious.
2: Oh, my so. gosh. What car is this? You said the Volvo what?
1: S60. So it's their, like, mint okay. sedan thing. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll have a and lot of And that's a good-looking car, car, too. Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. It's in this silver car. Co- it's, it's it's in this silver color, which I don't like silver cars. But it's in this silver. It looks really nice. It's got these super awesome aftermarket or like optional wheels on it that are like 18 or 19 inches, and they look just great on this thing. Um, I'm super excited to spend some time actually doing photos and videos of it because I really like like the way it looks. But yeah. oh, hi Cyprian. Cyprian, what's up? So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. So there will be a lot more S60 stuff on next week's show, but that's what yeah. I got, and now I'm back in rotation. So, yeah, more Weekly wheel stuff.
0: No, I'm the only one left out. Ugh. Yep.
2: Time to make a phone call. <laughs> uh,
0: I enjoy the break sometimes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> sometimes uh, not having the amount of work that comes
1: with a review hanging over your head on top of every, everything else can be nice. Yeah. No, I, I I wouldn't enjoy
2: that. <laughs> I enjoy my cars too much. I yeah, okay, yeah. This week I'm in an STI, so I can't complain at all. Oh no. I, okay. I, love, the, I love the cars, but
0: between everything else it. it's like oh <laughs> All right. Moving on. Ah. Uh,
1: we well we've got a huge pile of news to talk about and we've yeah, we got do. a bunch of questions. Again, thank you guys for the questions. We've got one, two, three, four, five questions. So All right, Uh, I'm going to start with um, a little thing. Uh, Ubisoft has a brand new video game coming out uh, first or second week of December called The Crew. Uh, It's a game where you can drive across all of the United States. Um, It's a very condensed version, but um, it's a lot bigger than I ever expected. Um, I'd say if – I I didn't actually try, but if you wanted to go from, like, the top of Oregon to the – bottom of Florida, it would probably take you 25 or 30 minutes to drive across the entirety of the map in this game. Like, it's it's a huge, huge map. Easily like four or five times the size of Forza Horizon. Um, and it feels more open, because in Forza there's still some spots that are blocked off that you can't quite get to. Like, oh, there's this lake in the middle of the map for no reason other than to take up space so they didn't have to render it so you can drive through it. Um, and, like, none of that sort of stuff really is in this game. It was just a beta that I got to play. Um... Little buggy. I had some fairly major server issues. The game crashed a couple times, but that's why they're doing it to find the problems, fix the problems. But um, really promising, really interesting. So if you're interested in video games and one of the big ones that's coming out this uh, holiday season, uh, you can hit that up on the site. I uh, just wanted to throw that out to be like, check it out. It's cool. Um, but let's talk about real news and real exciting news. Um, General Motors is awesome. And Justin wants to tell everybody just how awesome General Motors is, and then me and Mark are gonna nod and agree a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. General Motors is up to some big stuff in Cadillac in particular. Um, there's a little bit of a leaky poo from uh, from a from a website. Uh, 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 website. I'm gonna let them remain nameless, from team. <clears throat> but uh, they uh, mistakenly published an article regarding the uh, ATSV Coupe, the awesomeness that is the compact coupe super fast awesome m4 fighter thingy um and you know the body's everything we expect you know the the power hood and the spoiler and splitter and blah 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 all that good stuff the awesomeness is underneath that hood 3.6 liter v6 twin turbo titanium connecting rods titanium turbo turbines powering both turbochargers and for at least let me at least 450 Hmm. horsepower at least 450, and where was the torque again? I had that number. 450, memory. I think, as well. 4, 445. Okay. At least. <sighs> um, just so BMW doesn't forget, you guys have 425 horsepower and 406 pound-feet of torque. Not that not that big or more powerful is always the most awesome thing in the world, but that number sticks in buyers. Oh,
1: yeah. When that you say four, 450, and, like, secretly, I keep hoping that, like, GM is gonna pull a total SRT. it be like, it's at least 450 horse horsepower. By the way, it's got
2: 525. Yeah. Oh, oh, and that, <laughs> the, that'd be awesome.
0: Christian will do cartwheels over this one. It has a six-speed manual transmission. Like God <sighs> intended. And an optional Amen. Auto. Amen. and an optional eight-speed auto. So the best of both worlds. Everybody can enjoy this car. If you wanna sit there, run through the gears yourself, have at it, you wanna chip yourself self like I do. You can have at it. Either way, this thing's going to be fast as hell. It's going to drink gas, and it's going to make everybody in the EPA very, very angry.
2: Um, oh, right it's going to so make everyone so else so who has a soul and a heart very happy.
0: Yes, and anyone who bought an m 4 can be like, oh, but what about this?
2: I'm so, just
1: well, what, no, okay, I'll be, let's let's go ahead and be honest. A lot of people who buy an M4 buy an M4 because it's got a BMW back. Nothing that's, is going to change that.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is very true. But this just shows the direction Cadillac's going. Uh, oh. They're just no BS, whatever they need to do to make it work, they're going to do it. And and I'm I'm happy to say it's an American company, and uh, Johan de Neschen, if I'm saying his name right. <laughs> I you, I sir. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean, Johan did some cool things at in, in Infinity. He was one of yeah. the guys, I believe, who was behind the idea of the Q50 um, a rouge, So having great. having him around is a good idea. But the thing that makes me sad, but also excited about this, is you should buy the manual. You should. That's when you should buy. At the same time, you should totally buy the automatic because it's the same automatic they're putting in the Z06, which Mm -hmm. means we know for a fact it will handle at least 650-pound-feet of torque. So if you are somebody who wants to buy your car with your turbochargers and then take it down the road to have a man with a little computer turn that boost needle up, because even if this thing drops to 450 out of a 3.6 with two turbos, that's nothing. Yeah. A simple tune should easily push that thing to 550 or 600 rpm, or to 550 or 600 horsepower. So if you have the automatic, you're guaranteed already to know that that transmission will hold that much power, and you're not gonna run into any issues where oh no, I just ate my fly- the flywheel or tore through my synchros in my manual, because. Currently, we don't know exactly what manual they're putting in this. Mm -hmm. Ideally, it's one of the ones they put in the Camaro or whatever, so we know it'll handle the power. But until we have
2: that proof, the safe bet, if you want to tune it, is going to be the automatic.
0: And we yeah, also know possibly
2: it's the same one out of the ZL1, which is rated, you know, right now the ZL1's making 580 horsepower and right. 120 pound-feet of torque or something like that. So if they're, I'm yeah, it's if that. they're using that Tremec six six-speed that they use
1: in that, then yeah, buy the manual, turn turn the boost up, enjoy everything that is right in in the world. Yeah. But until we can figure out exactly what transmission is going to be in that, the safe bet for tuners is probably going to be the eight the
0: eight. Yeah. yeah. and, we and and we Go know in. that if that eight-speed came out of the uh, out of the Corvette, we know that's going to be actually slightly quicker than the manual. Oh yeah, some slushy thing. That's that's another plus. Right. Yeah, yeah um,
1: but again, I'm in, I'm in my <laughs> M
2: my my M4 four fighter. I want fun on my back roads. Yeah, that's I mean, like I would I would gladly trade a couple tents for a better experience. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think Chris would going to agree too. Uh, um, yeah, a lot of times it's more than a couple
1: tents. Like the GTR is an incredible machine. I would happily trade two seconds on my zero to sixty split to get a manual, because yeah. then I'm still looking at what four point nine seconds, which is not slow at all, and I get three
0: yeah. three pedals. Yeah, but for a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> you're gonna get four point yeah. nine. <laughs> i get an Aston Martin then.
2: <laughs> oh, God, those are so pretty. You know what else makes me really happy is that uh, GM is actually making this power plant. I mean, a twin-turbo V6, you know, the 3.6 liter. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And I hope that it makes its way into the Camaro. <clears throat> Maybe. I, would,
0: mean, I mean, it's on the same platform, so if it does... Yep. Well, Isn't and the way they're <laughs> going to be
2: convenient if they
0: actually <clears throat> did that. <clears throat>
1: well, so here's here's the problem with that though. Then what are the, what are they going to do about the V8 Camaro?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
2: Well, well uh, if, they,
0: if they put this 36 in there, I'll bet it's detuned a little bit. Just enough. Well, no problem.
2: here's my thing. Like they could have the SS and then they could come out with maybe a high performance version not the ZL1, but it, they would have to call it something else. Um you know, for that, the, you know, the 3.6 V8, or the well, 3.6 V6, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe skip
0: the RS package, make an RS trim level.
2: Yeah. Well, they already have an RS package. Well, yeah, but
0: that's a package I said skip the RS package. Oh,
1: and yeah. just make it a, okay. Trim I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like, like, that puts it into weird shaky ground, because then you're stuck with, well, okay, um, our V6 model that's supposed to be sort of positioned below our SS V8 is kind of Better than the V8 in every way. Uh, oops. <laughs> well, that just yeah, means that like v has to be that cater much better.
0: People, it's going to cater to different people, but that might be spreading a little bit too thin, though.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You're you're running into that sort of eating each other's market sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So that's awesome. well, but so that is a car that would be cool if they made, but we're not sure if they're going to make it. Um, you know what car we know they're not going to make? Another RX8. Yep.
2: Well, uh, apparently we heard Segway. from the, the man himself <laughs> as we segue into this nice nether segment. Um, the CEO of Mazda, um, and I don't even want to pronounce his first name, but his last name is Koji or something like that. Um, anyway, he is basically saying, nailing the coffin to the RX-8, we're not going to make any, any other vehicles like that. Our model on of has already stretched out too much and we're, we're just going to concentrate on making what we've got even better. And we're going to concentrate on active and we're going to concentrate on lowering weight, and we're going to make them generationally a better product. And so he is saying we're not going to devote any money to um, things like the RX-8. And um, he, in this interview with Automotive News, he makes this really interesting comment about baseball, and it's really long, but the condensed version is, we don't need a home run if each player hits a single. Which means each player is going to do just good enough, and we're not going to have to have a halo car, you know, presiding over it.
0: You know, I don't know how many times we're going to go back and forth on this thing. Um, It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Now it's off again. Three weeks from now, automotive news is going to run something else where. Oh no, they said they might come back. So here's the thing, though. This car needs to die. Well, the rotary needs to die. The rotary is not an efficient engine. It's not. It's an awful engine. I love
1: the idea of a rotary engine because it is unique. Like, I love unique yeah. cars. I like the idea that it feels like nothing else, that it is like nothing else in the in the world, that it's a whole different experience, the way it feels, the way it drives, the way it sounds. It's, like, completely unlike anything else. At the same time, it's a terrible, terrible engine. It makes oh. absolutely no power. It absolutely swallows gas. The thing yep. breaks constantly. Oil oh. seals. Yeah, like, it just... <clears throat> It is extremely terrible and inefficient in every
0: single way possible. I'm yep. glad it exists. I'm also glad it's dead. Yeah, and then every time they attempted to make it better, like they did with the uh, with the '90s Mazda RX, pop a turbocharger on it. What do you do? You blow the seals even faster.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing only made at 9,000 RPM, which is one of the advantages of a rotary. Um, they're only making 232 horsepower. The
0: worst thing was oh, what's at, the, short, torque the torque level? 130. But like in the 112. Huh? No, 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 no. That's not torque. The, I had an RX-8.
2: That thing was like... Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm pounds. sorry. I'm sorry. That, 212 is uh, if you got the automatic yeah, transmission. Automatic. The torque yeah.
0: should be in the 130, 140 range. It was terrible. was yeah,
2: awful. Yeah. And it's wound out like 7,000
1: RPMs. <laughs> yeah, so so to give you guys an idea, that is less torque than a Toyota Prius in your sports car.
0: Yeah, people don't think... they, they uh, Again, like I said with the, with the 450 horsepower with the Cadillac... Horsepower sells cars, but torque is what keeps people interested in the car. Sure, you can sell that big horsepower number, they go drive, yeah, big horsepower, then they really get on, like, oh, wait a minute. Why is this uh, camera keeping up up with me off the line? (laughs)
1: And, and like, I know it's a stolen VTEC joke, but, like, seriously, a a rotary engine is like having a car with all the turbo lag in the entire world, but no turbo.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, I had an RX-8. I had an RX-8 for approximately three weeks before I traded it on my Mazda, my Mazda Speed Yacht. I liked it for just a few days, and I, I just got sick with, like you said, swallows gas, gulped gas, and I was driving 40 miles to work and back. Wasn't fast at all. I mean, it would sound fast, but had a big boiler exhaust on back. It just, sounded awesome. 9,000 RPMs was fun to cruise around town in. But when it came to filling it back up, I was bankrupt.
1: <laughs> right, and I mean they do they do handle well because they've got that same sort of setup because the rotary engine is actually very compact. Oh yeah, so kind they've of the got thing. the same sort of thing going like the FRS and BRZ do, where the engine is really small, really far back, and really low. So handling is great. Yeah. But Mazda wanted like 30 grand for these things, and they make no horsepower, like less horsepower than and less torque than the BRZ and FRS that everyone wants more power out of.
0: Well, the horsepower wasn't bad. The horsepower is 232. It's the torque at 159 that was crap. <laughs>
2: yeah, but still. I mean, You had to ring this thing out to almost Redline. Redline is 9,500, and the peak horsepower is at 9.
0: 8,500, I'm looking at it, unless you're looking at the automatic one. Automatic might be
2: different. Oh, from everything I read, it was 9,500 for the oh. Redline. Yeah,
0: 9,500 9, Redline, I'm looking at 8,500 peak horsepower. But it could be, you could be oh, looking okay. at a different year, though. They've changed it. A few
1: yeah. We have another watcher commenting, hi, so, oh. G Cheng Fingy? Ging cheng Giffy? Jiffy. G cheng Giffy. I, do. I don't know. I like GIFs. Okay. Uh, all right. Whatever. I have entire GIF con, con- conversations with people. Um all right. All right, our so Well let's you know, let's go ahead and recap. Mark has driven the GLA forty-five Mercedes and he loves it. Yep. I have driven a Volvo and I think it has torques Torx here. Um video games are cool. Cadillac is awesome, because it comes with three pedals and all of the horse- horsepowers, and uh, there's not going to be a new RX-8. So if you're just tuning in, that covers our show so far. Um, now let's talk about some LA stuff. Um, or A, LA stuff. Um, so Lexus has announced they're coming with another LF concept. Um, so if you pay attention, they've done lots of these. The last one was the LF-LC. It was this super cool, sexy long sort of 2 plus 2 hybrid sports car thing that uh, everyone's expecting that if it hits production is going to be a nice competitor to like the BMW i8, that that sort of range. Um, and now they sent out a teaser photo of a car with no top and they said that they are announcing the LFC2 open top concept at LA. Um, we literally have no information on it other than that one little photo and the fact that it's going <laughs> to announce. But um... I put on my thinking cap, and I think it's probably just going to be a convertible version of the LF-LC <laughs> hybrid convertible or hybrid concept from last year. Likely. Uh, but but that's a good thing, I think. Because, again, that car looked great, and BMW i8 Spider like, that's a topless thing. So there's no reason that Lexus, if they really want to target that sort of market, shouldn't create a convertible version of this car. And yeah. just the silhouette they sent us does look
0: pretty good, actually. Yeah, if you put the silhouette next to the LFLC, like top to bottom, the front end is almost identical. Right. And I, that's
1: one of the, like, the best cars the spindle grille sort of looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, like on yeah. that nose, it looks awesome.
2: And you know, one thing I'm excited and kind of anxious for Lexus to bring out is a convertible version of the RC. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking I this is going to be. That's going to happen. Um, just because the way the engineering of the RC is and the way that the fact that the center. Belly section or the center chassis section is from the old ISC sedan, the convertible hardtop. Um, I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be a very quick chop to make the RSC a convertible, and right. we should see that soon.
1: Well, so that's one thing that's sort of worried worried me is that this might just be the announcement of that. Yeah, but that's um, I what mean, I'm looking,
0: looking at the profile, it doesn't it quite doesn't fit. But yeah.
1: You never know with Lexus.
0: Here's here's what I think is probably going to happen. So we saw the LFCC, which was actually the concept version of the RC. Then we saw the LFLC, which the yeah. RC took some cues from. So probably we might even see them just go backwards, say, hey, here's a convertible version of the LC. Then, hey, here's a convertible version of the CC, which is going to end up being the RC convertible. Yeah. That they just snag cues from the uh, the the C C two. God dang, too many of these Cs. <laughs> all,
1: all of the Cs and all of the Ls. Um, yeah. So, like, what do you guys think? If you're out there watching, drop us a little thing in the comments. We'll hit this again in just a, in just a second. Um, so we don't know what they're gonna do, but we're hoping it's good. Um, let's talk That'd about Mercedes. Who apparently Johann Nishin, is now working at Mercedes as well because he <laughs> likes to change everybody's names.
0: Yeah, Mercedes has officially gone nuts, dropped a hand grenade in their SUV and roadster lineup, but said, Boom! Let everything kind of fall where it fell. But it kind of fell in place. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Here's the deal. Here's what they're doing. Basically, okay, the G, the G class that we all know, the big box of things, been around since the 1970s and barely changed. Um, they took that. That's kind of like the halo SUV. That's going to be the first letter in the SUV class. Then they're going to take the L, which is, I guess, what by Mercedes uh, speak is just what it appears over time of history of Mercedes, so they're going to just use it after the G. So you have GL, and the final letter is going to be the SUV's respective position in the lineup relative to the core models of Mercedes, which is the A, B, C, E, and S class. (sighs) So you have the GLA, the GLB, the GLC, the GLE, and the GLS. And then the G. (sighs) And then the G at the very top. The G wagon. So basically, if you look at Mercedes' main core lineup where the A is the smallest, you put a GL in front of that, you have the smallest SUV, GLA. The B class, the next size up, GLB, and so on and so forth. They're not going to bring out any new models, though. These are all going to be the same old models. So to kind of summarize, they're doing essentially what Infiniti did, where they got
1: the QX as all of their SUVs. The difference is they're at least sticking to a more discernible structure.
0: Yeah, they're taking their core that everybody knows A, B, C, E, and S and using the GL prefix in in front of them, basically.
1: Well, and it's following closer to what uh, Audi and BM, BMW do. So like everyone knows a 3. BMW makes a 3, whether it's the X3 or the 325. The 3 Series is the 3 Series. There's the X3 SUV 3 and then just the 3, which is the sedan 3, and, like, that's a thing, and we know what size that is, and we know 3 is smaller than 5, and we know 5 is smaller than 7, and, like, that's sort of how they have their lineup done, and it's easy to understand, and Audi does the same thing. There's the A1, and the A3, and the A4, and the A5, and the A6, and the A7, and the A8. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Infinity did it sort of weird because they went for, like, pricing tier instead of size... But they're trying to follow that same thing, too. So that's essentially what Mercedes yeah. is, is doing. Instead yeah. of remembering all their random letters and collections of numbers,
2: they're giving you a new random collection yeah. of letters and numbers. And if you, yeah, if I if mean, you this know. thing looks like an eye chart. I have decided, like looking at the article and seeing all <laughs> the different stuff. I feel like I'm at the doctor's office. Gee... L, S, <laughs> I don't like it. but the weird thing is that they did all of this. Here's the weird thing: they
0: did all of this. They talked about how it's how they're going to use the core models, and, but one that's missing is GLB. There is no GLB in here anywhere. But the B yep. is one that they mentioned. So that kind of makes me curious: what kind of garbage they're going to come up with next in the SUV realm? It's uh, going to
1: be an SUV coupe.
0: Yeah, yeah, Fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that makes perfect sense. But yeah, oh, he,
1: it has to fight the X2 if it's a B. Yeah,
0: because the GLE is going to be – there's going to be a GLE Coupe A, which is going to be the SUV coupe.
2: Well, but that's going to be 5 Series or, and 6 Series. No, the or, GLA they, it says it right here. The GLA is what the ML class is.
0: Yeah, well, they, but they are also going to have the GLE Coupe A. They have the uh, – Well,
1: that's what I'm saying is you have the GLE and the GLE Coupe, the coupe A, which I think would be X5, X6. You're yeah. right. Okay.
0: Yeah. So we have basically the GLA that already exists. The GL is becoming the GLC. The ML, oh, I'm sorry, GLK is becoming the GLC. The ML is becoming the GLE. There's going to be a GLE Coupe, and the GL becomes a GS, and the G stays the same.
2: <laughs> Whew, did everybody? <laughs> All right.
0: The SL is there, there's a little bit more. The SL is now the SL. SLK is now SLC. And they're making their engines easier to understand with just single letters behind each number instead of, like, Bluetech and everything like that.
1: That part I, I, I like. Yeah, really? that so I do. Plug-in hybrid Ecotech D. It's, it's just yeah. D for diesel, P for plug-in or whatever, like yeah, a, a for hybrid. Like that's E350
0: Bluetech Blue or E350 CDI is now the E350D. Nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which is where needs to be because when I have to write about these cars, I hate writing the 2014 Mercedes-Benz E450 Ecotech diesel blue whatever – no, dear God, no.
2: <laughs> Anyways, so
1: this is obnoxiously boring. I'm sorry yeah. I put this in the news. Dear God.
0: I tried wow. to make it as interesting, but yes, it is a little bit boring. But we have to talk about it. It's Mercedes. It's important.
1: Yes, okay. Uh, let's talk about you know things, things that make Mark super happy.
2: Yeah, because this is GMC. exciting. Or it's more yeah. General Motors stuff. Yeah, more General Motors. So, okay. Not that uh, exciting. Yeah, well, just because you suck at life. So another CEO <laughs> position change-up thing. So it was the vice president uh, – well, he's the vice president of GMC now. His name is Duncan Aldred. He came from Opel and uh, in Voxel in, in Europe. Now he is the main man, and he's been there since February at GMC. And he is talking some smack about the brand. He says, quote, I have come to do a job to change the face of the brand. And, well, if you look at GMC's brand lineup, they don't really have that many vehicles. So we are not looking at changing what we currently have. We're actually adding new cars. And in the very corporate speak that he spoke of, it was very, like, loose in general and how he's going to do things read the article you figured out, but long story short, we're looking at possibly a an SUV that is above the Yukon Denali, which kind of makes it an Escalade, but not really, because it's a GMC, so I don't even know how they're going to do that. Uh, we're also looking at a mid-size uh, SUV crossover, and, this is what makes me very happy, we're looking at a possible Wrangler competitor. Like, pfft, and the only thing that I can think of in GMC's past lineup is the old, like, 1980s Jimmy, which is like the Chevy Blazer version of GMC, you know. And so, two-door, removable hard top, like, roll bar, two rows, lifted suspension, big fat tires, and a V8.
0: Until oh, the bean counters bad. get a hold of it and turn it into a small crossover. Correct, correct,
2: <laughs> correct. So, uh, it scares me. I mean uh, what I don't could know. possibly happen. But I think and here's here's my thing, and I, I didn't I didn't expound on this too much in the article, but I want to explain myself. So back last uh, what was it, April Fool's Truck Trend actually made a rendering of the then new F one fifty and they made it into a Bronco and it blew up Blew up. Huge fiasco for them on April Fool's because everyone thought this rendering is so good. It looks like Ford did it. Are we getting a Bronco? And apparently Ford is now taking no. Like, oh crap. Maybe we are. Christian's saying no, but it might happen. Yeah, you never know. If it um, does, it will not be two doors. It won't
1: be. It will not be a huge two door SUV. It's not going know. to exist. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever I you. do <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Nobody There There will be 15 people Who buy one Or or the first year They'll sell like 40 or 50,000 Of them And then not a single one will be sold for the rest of eternity Because everyone goes oh wow Having this giant SUV with two doors Is really really stupid
0: And every one of those 40,000 sales Will
2: come from central Florida probably <laughs> You know what? it's fun And it will become a collector item And we'll make lots of money on it Um, But anyway, here's my theory. We could either do a full-size based off the Silverado, or we could do a um, smaller-size compact based off the Colorado Canyon. If it's going to be
1: an actual Wrangler competitor. Now, I I, I think if that's how they try and position it to the bean counters, you can make that happen because Chrysler makes money on the Wrangler. Like hand over fist. And that's partly because it's the only thing in that segment. Like, yes, there is the G-Class, which is just as capable, but it's three times as much. Oh, yeah. But, like, like that's it. You have, like, the Wrangler or the G-Class. If you
2: want a small well, even... square thing that you can roll down a hill, like, that's all you get. Well, I don't even compare the two because, yeah, the G-Class is great off-road, but you can't take the doors off. The top doesn't come off, and you can't hose it out. So the Wrangler is its own little thing that sits all by itself, and that's, that's why, why it makes so buy money.
1: the G class because it's not made of rubber. It's made of leather, and because it is a little stiffer and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, I've seen them. In fact, Mr. Bowman himself took – he called up a bunch oh. of his Wrangler buddies and took it through Wrangler Trails. He broke the thing. Um, I know. It had these big, beautiful chrome step bars on it, and boom, right on a rock. It's like, ah, that's what they're there for. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that – but still, if if you want a car that is that capable from the factory – of being off-road in that size. Like like those are those are the only two things you get aside from price and interior fittings. Like they are very similar in size and ability. But they're the only two and they are very far apart from each other. So that's where I think GM could maybe
2: squeeze in a little bit. Yeah. So I and you're right. I think that, you know, possibly that size thing would probably be their best bet. So while I would like a full-size two-door SUV Bronco GMC, Jimmy, Blazer competitor, it probably won't happen. Um, I think, you know, the midsize is probably where it's going to be at. Plus, I mean, that 3.6 liter V6 is a great engine. Imagine if they sold it with the diesel. Oh, yes. Well could we sign be signing up for it. I mean, I don't... I, whether I was invited to the press event or not, I would just... Show Stop. up. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my own plane ticket. <laughs> Stay in the Motel 6 down the road. Just, like, it, just, just sleep in whatever press, press car they have there. Because, just, like,
1: just, yeah. I mean, if it's a soft top, you just like sneak up and nobody's looking, like unzip it. it and crawl in. <laughs> and they just show up the next day to start the press, the press of it and like open up the doors and you're just sitting in there like huddled in the corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That'd be me. I would do that. Uh, you know what? I will
1: come because that's a great story.
2: Yeah, I will let you be my photographer. All right, so there we go. He gets thrown out
1: and put in jail. (laughs) All right, Um, let's go ahead. Um, We've got, you know what, I'll just run through these super, super fast. We know Maserati's making an SUV. It looks like it's going to be an X6 competitor. It is
0: super ugly.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But if you want to, it looks like a big, ugly fish that's had its back end cut off. Uh, We have Mm -hmm. photos, actually like a big fish made with a turtle.
0: Well, remember, it's just a Maserati Ghibli on the lifted up. Chassis. That's not. That's a exactly chassis. what it is. It's not. It's not a production. It's a mule. Don't except
1: worry. it. Except it looks even super ugly. Um. But so those sh- photos are on the site if you want to see them. Um. We also have spy photos of a Rolls Royce Wraith Sport, which is a Rolls Royce Wraith with a body kit and a little lip spoiler. Um. That's, that's literally movie. all we know know about it. But there's no real camo on it. So if you want to go check those photos out, we have those. Um, also, yeah. Also, we just put up our first piece in what is hopefully going to be a fairly big series. Um, we think driving schools are awesome, and we think if you like driving, you should take a driving school because it will dramatically improve not only your abilities but your level of safety on the road and your control of your car. So we're going to start covering driving schools, and the first one we have covered is Dirt Fish Rally School up in Washington. It's near Seattle. Uh, Subaru uh, sponsors and runs the club. They have STIs. Um, they have BRZs now. They're doing a rear-wheel drive class. Um, like Travis Pastrana has done stuff there. Uh, Bucky Bucky Lassic, He's one of their drivers for the Subaru GRC Rally Team. Um, so that's up on the site if you want to check that out. We have full rundowns of every course that they offer, how much they cost, you can see where the course is, um, all that sort of stuff's laid out for you. And we're going to try and do more of that so you guys can get a good idea of what driving schools are out there for you. Um, obviously we're going to start with the U.S. Um, depending on how things go, depending on how much you guys like it. If you do like it, send us feedback in the comments for that piece, uh, and then maybe we can try and expand it further from that point. But I uh, just want to let people know that that's out there and that's on the site. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our questions and answers, because we have five of them. Whoo! Yes, so thank you guys very much for, for sending us questions, because we really like getting questions. Um, we've got 15 minutes to bust through these guys. I think we can do that. That's three minutes a question. Um, oh god, we're going to be way over three minutes a question. <laughs> Hey, guys. Great episode. This is from Hulty. Hey, Hulty. So, What's hey, up? guys. Great episode. I'll try to listen to you guys live this week, and he is, so thank you. Here's a question for you. What three cars would each of you pick as the best the 90s had to offer? Does it matter if it's a sports car, luxury, cheap car, SUV,
2: whatever? Hmm. Wrangler, TJ.
0: <laughs> Homer. <laughs>
2: easy oh, now <laughs> you know i really i really i i don't know i have a very big soft spot for like a 98 or 99 tahoe just a square body with a little bit updated interior with a 5 7 i don't, I don't know i just i don't know i think it was um i don't know i think it's just one of the the better looking boxy suvs of the day
1: okay um, well, we'll, well, we'll start with one <laughs> each, I guess, and then we'll keep adding from there. Um, one of mine is the Aston Martin DB7. So that was the first car from Aston Martin to come out with this new sort of super sexy swoopy body that they're using on everything that they have today. Um, like, So in 1998, they had already built 2,000 of these things. I think the original one was like a ninety-five or 96. Um, 1994 was the first Aston Martin DB7. So that same basic style has been moved and evolved to what they have today, and it's still stunning. So that's one of my favorite cars because it was, you know, one of the first cars to come out like that. Um, it had their five, 9, their 5.9 liter v, V12, which has been expanded to be the six liter that they have now. So like everything that we love about the Aston Martin Vanquish today started with the db7
0: okay well, i'm gonna reach back into the uh years back in toyota was absolutely insane and very cool at the same time i'm gonna say the toyota celica all track awesome that car is so underappreciated so unknown as a 220 horsepower all four wheels a very unassuming car unless you're right up close to it and, I mean, it just it looked and like the older
1: one. Celica, but yeah. it was supercharged and all-wheel drive. They yeah. took it rally racing.
0: Mm-hmm. And that car, and it was, and that was back when the Celica was still kind of sexy. The Celica still had that good look to it before they ruined it in its last generation. That was still the I sexy. I like thing.
2: the last generation too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the?
2: the, the Mark got fired.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I drove one for a while.
0: Oh. Why does that not surprise
2: me? <laughs> it wasn't my car though. Say, did it
0: match your purse?
2: It matched my ex wife. <laughs> Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs>
1: hey, excuse anything. me, I'm aspirating some water. <laughs> oh, that almost went all over my my computer. That would have been terrible. That's what she oh. said. <laughs> all right. Okay, um, <laughs> so I'm going to stick to that same sort of vein as Justin, and uh, I'm going to say the Mitsubishi 3000GT VR4. Yes. So the 3000GT VR4 was a 3000GT with turbochargers and all-wheel drive and all-wheel steering. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't even seem to know this thing existed. It's it's a lot like the Talon TSI, TSI Turbo. Unless you played like Forza Motorsport 2, you don't know the Talon TSI, TSI Turbo exists. But it was an all-wheel drive turbocharged Talon. But that's what the 3000GT VR4 was. The VR4 is the important part. That got you the turbocharged engine and the all-wheel drive with four-wheel steering. Thing was a barnstormer of of a machine. Blew away tons of way more expensive performance cars, but it was a Mitsubishi. And so people didn't really buy it because they were kind of worried about it and they didn't care. And it sort of has faded into obscurity. There's like a hardcore group of people who know about this thing and who love them and who want all of them. And they cost lots of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good one right now is like twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars. Um, but holy crap, are they awesome? Also, you know,
2: is this the same car that was on Fast and Furious? D- uh, no, that I think that's a super buddy. Oh, is
0: it okay? But uh, another right. thing that kind of killed it was there was the fact that that was those are the years of the I can't remember what they called the diamond something or other back whenever uh, Mitsubishi and Dodge were sharing everything. Oh yeah. The Dodge Stealth RT kind of killed it. Killed it too.
1: Right, because it said Dodge on the front not Mitsubishi. Yeah. It wasn't one of them Japanese cars. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the RT didn't didn't have the
0: all-wheel drive and all-wheel steering, did it? I think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. I have to double check that, but I I thought it did.
1: I was a 3000 GT fan, not a Dodge Stealth fan, so I. I was only a 3000
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, do you have another car for us?
2: Uh, no, I gave you two already.
0: Okay, I'll jump in, and I'm going to go in the same uh, same direction you're going here and kind of steal one of yours, you said, but the, diff- the different brand, the same thing with the whole Chrysler-Mitsubishi thing, the Eclipse GSXT. Okay. That yeah, car was… Another
1: version of the of tower. The, of
0: the yeah, on TSI. Oh, that car is awesome. Do you have that was, another one? That
1: was, that was so… You talked about a Celica back when it was good, mm-hmm. and I talked about Mitsubishi back when it was good. Back when the Eclipse was good. Right, and that was back when the Eclipse was good. <laughs>
0: My God, bring back the 90s fast cars. They were so cool.
1: You know what? That reminds me of what I'm going to use as my third one. I, I was going to use the Miata because even though it's a 1989, technically it was a 1990
0: car. did he say no Miata? Oh,
1: no, that's, next. No, that's the next one. So yeah. what about the NSX? Uh, okay. Oh, so uh, also yeah. good. Yeah. I was, well, I was going to go with cars that then sucked but then were good. Um, and go with the Toyota MR2, M, the, the MR2 Turbo from, like, uh, 1992.
0: Yep. I had that written down at first. Oh, I took it off. Man, that, thing. <laughs>
1: that car would literally blister Ferraris of the day around the racetrack, and it wore a Toyota badge. Uh-huh. And then they made that weird MR2 Spider Coupe thing oh, no, last that generation, it and it was terrible.
0: Completely ruined it for me. Okay, my last one, speaking of cars that sucked but were extremely awesome at one point, the GMC Cyclone. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a great answer. I like, like that uh, What happened to the nineties? One year. One year they built that damn thing and it was it started the truck the sport truck world. Just it yeah. launched it and same same with the uh, the Chevy Typhoon version. That thing was just insanity.
2: Yeah.
0: Totally awesome.
2: Oh, I love well, that. Well it was the the Typhoon was the SUV version.
0: Yeah, that's the SUV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cyclone. Cyclone
2: Typhoon. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Um, all right, so there you go. The '90s had a bunch of great freaking cars. Why don't
1: we live then? Um, and now I want to. I'm gonna blow the rest of the day on YouTube or I mean on eBay. This is this is terrible <laughs>
2: Craigslist.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to Paul Green's question. Thank you, Paul. Uh, let's play a game. Let's play a game. <laughs> you have twenty thousand dollars to buy a car, any car, and make it into a track day toy. What would you pick? To make things harder, you cannot buy a Miata.
0: <sighs> okay. See, I think I, this is super easy. This is easy for me too. But
2: who wants to go first? I'll let the
0: easy guys, guys go probably. first.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna copy will... your answer.
0: Mine, I like maybe it's because I live in Florida, maybe it's not, but I would pick the Corolla AE eighty six. I think that thing is an awesome rolling chassis. You take that chassis, you can do whatever you want with it. There's all kind of different engines, different kits you can put on this, and you make it super fast. And super, super handling, and it's very, it's an unimposing kind of car. You don't expect it to be what it is.
1: So, okay, mine is sort of the same sort of idea of a car that really is a perfect chassis to mold into anything you want to. And uh, I'd buy a classic air-cooled 911. Ah, okay. Can you
0: actually but can you get one? Yeah, no, care?
1: dude, you could you could get a decent running like mid eighties S S C model for like seventeen to eighteen grand. I mean, that's one with full interior and with all that sort of stuff. If you're just looking for a rolling one that doesn't even run that well, you're looking at like the twelve or thirteen range. So that gives me seven grand to roll cage, you know, fix what little rust or dents might be in it, and upgrade that engine and I have a nine eleven
2: race car. Oh, there you go. Mark, I like that. Um, you know, I'm gonna have to stick with my American roots here, and think you know I could pick up a Corvette C4 for cheap, just cheap, and yeah, I could do C4 a lot of stuff. Terrible. Yeah, they were, but you could rip everything out and start <laughs> over. You could.
1: Um, yeah, actually, because you can you can get a C4 for five grand all day long, yeah. and then yeah. drop the other fifteen grand on getting a new crate motor for it, and suddenly yeah. your C4 doesn't suck that much anymore.
2: Yep, put an LT4 in it. Or LT1,
1: yeah. Yeah, get the LT1, get some coil, the coilovers, maybe yeah. do some seam welding to tighten that thing up. <laughs> yeah, a, a nice full roll cage, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, Paul, there you go. Um, next question from Darren007. Um, would you, what would you guys pick as the top three most beautiful engine bays you have ever personally seen? Um, I've seen an Alfa Romeo 156 GTA and could not believe my eyes how beautiful that engine looked. Italians really know how to make beautiful engines. Too bad they're not very reliable. Um, Because most of the cars we see, engines are pretty ugly. I'm going to cut this one down to one each. And uh, he does throw in there you've seen in real life. So that might make it a little more difficult, but go. Because I'm going to win, but we're just going to go.
0: Alright, well I'm limited on I'm limited on this one because I don't get to go to very many car shows, the joys of being the editor. Um, so I'm just going to have to say in my personal life, it has to be the uh, probably the Ram SRT-10. Only because the, 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 the Viper engine just looks sexy underneath that big – in that big engine bay in the Ram. I always thought it was cool. I thought you were going to use your Miata to be honest. Um, no, if you guys, his... it's pretty attractive. It's got hoses and wires and everything else. For oh, it,
1: but wear. see, but but it's got something special. So it doesn't matter what color your Miata is. Every Mazda Speed Miata has a red oh. valve cover, mm-hmm. and it is awesome.
2: Just open up the hood, and it's like this awesome, just bright red spot in the middle of it because red ones go faster. All right, Mark. You know, I I guess it's probably just because I I said it earlier and now I'm stuck on it. Uh, Corvette C4 because it has a clamshell hood and you can basically see the side of the engine. The ZR1, and it was a dual overhead cam, the only dual overhead cam ever in a Corvette, and it had this huge plenum uh, intake <laughs> the big, that scooped down one. Oh, in the front. Yeah. Yeah. It really was a really pretty engine, and there's not many wires and crap around it, and it, it's got Corvette scripted on the side of the valve cover, and it looks really good, So I don't, and I've seen that in person, too, so... That's off the top of my head that's all I can think of right now all right
1: um I have actually seen in person once the most beautiful engine bay ever created for any car of all time ever um, and that is the mclaren f1 which not only does it have this incredible massive naturally aspirated engine sitting there which makes all the power in the world but um because it was a car that was built with you know money no objects sort of expenses, the entire inside of the engine bay is lined in gold foil, because that is the best heat conductor known to man, is gold. So, I have actually seen a McLaren F1 engine bay in person. I didn't get to get very close to it. They were very protective. But um, I have seen one of, one of those, and it is just stunning in every way. So, there we go. Uh, next question is from Daniel White. I have recently seen the video of a tuned Golf R Mark 7. The car was outrageous. 25,000 euros just for the interior. It was all leather. It looked awesome, and God knows how much more the performance upgrades cost. The car had 776 horsepower horse on race fuel, it was running 650 on a pump pass, all out of a 2 liter engine. My question is, if you had that much money, what would you do? Buy a Porsche or a C7 or any other great sports car, or just bought a car and make it ridiculously fast? Um, I am an old man, <laughs> essentially on the inside. So um, I would buy a new factory car all day long. Uh, I don't like trouble and hassle that comes with having a tuned car. I don't like, you know, having all the bits cut out and then put back together to get better. I just want to buy a brand new car that is super, super fast right now.
0: Yeah, see, I have this strange obsession with uh, with sleepers. So I would buy some old sleeper car and just tune the hell out of it. Nothing like, I don't know, a mid-90s Nissan Sentra with, like, 600 horsepower. It's my idea of fun. See, like,
1: I love that sort of stuff, like Atomic Betty, the V8 Miata that I drove. Like, it looks just like a Miata with some fender flares on it, and that's it. But I just – now, like, that's sort of different because a company built that for me, and the engine comes with a warranty, and, like, that's all legit. Yeah. But, yeah, like – I've I built things for fun, like my dining room table back there, I built that, the desk I'm using, I've built and I've fixed cars before. I also don't want to know that when I'm driving at excessive speeds in my four hundred and eighty five million horsepower, whatever, in the back of my head, I'm constantly gonna be go, remember, you put this together.
0: Did I remember to tighten that bolt?
1: Right. No. <laughs> that noise, you're like, what's that rattling noise? Is my pulley about to fall off of my super supercharger? Cause I'm an idiot and didn't tighten it to torque specs. Like that sort of stuff bothers me. Mark, what about you?
2: Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of in your same boat. I think I'm just gonna take the money and, and buy me a uh, a Hellcat Challenger or Charger and and call it an a day. Right, and also, see, like the Hellcat, like and there's so many good cars today. Like five yeah. or ten
1: years years ago, this question probably would have went the other way. But like yeah. that 911, I, I want that. Like I can't build a 911 like the one that I drove. Like I would, I would have to buy that. You know, I can't – I mean I could build a 700 or a 650 horsepower Corvette, but like I could just buy a Z06 that was built alongside and designed alongside the actual Corvette race car. Like that sort of pedigree, you can't really do. And yeah, yeah, you can buy a 700 horsepower Challenger with a full warranty.
2: So, that's, yep, that's I the, think that's the right direction I would go. In. All
1: right, so last question from Sammy88 or 833. Uh, what do you guys think about the new two liter, 268 horsepower diesel engine from VW? It's magic. <laughs> um, and the 10-speed DSG. I think that diesel engine would be perfect for a Golf R diesel. Uh, I think if Volkswagen wanted to make a Golf R diesel, that would be a great engine as well. Um, I would rather just see them put it in a GTD and call it that. Um, I think a 10-speed DSG is too many damn gears.
2: Yeah, I just got done driving uh, something that had nine speeds, and I was like, holy crap, it's just too much. Was that the 200? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nine speeds, and it just, um, it felt like an old like jukebox that had to like slot through the records. So it was like, click, 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 and it was just, I don't know.
1: Right, especially because like they're tuned for fuel economy, so it's like yeah, twelve hundred RPMs, it drops you down to a thousand. So it's like vunk, yeah. vunk, 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 because you're in ninth gear and then you're on the highway.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, see, I, I first of all, the 2-liter, two 268 horsepower, I love it, love it, love everything about it. Um, the transmission, you know, I think on a DSG, that's a little bit much. Um, I don't mind it on standard automatics. If it's a regular automatic that, that's like uh, like the BMW's, uh, I think it's called a Steptronic, where it will actually skip gears when you don't need it. I'm yeah. fine with that. And when you do need it, when you want fuel economy, it shifts up through each individual gear. But if you're hammering on it, it'll, it'll skip gears. Um, if it's built like that, I love it. But ten speeds on a DS yeah, that's too much. That's way too much. Right. Like
1: I just to be honest, I think really more than seven is too much for ninety nine percent of driving. Like, just give me six normal spaced gears, like fairly tightly spaced, and then just give me an obnoxiously tall seventh gear overdrive. Like, yeah. like that's how the nine the, the nine eleven is, right? Like I think it's seventy miles an hour in sixth gear. You're spinning at something like thirty-two hundred RPMs. I mean, like you drop it into seventh, and it like drops down to like eighteen hundred. I mean, like it's just this obnoxiously tall overdrive gear that is purely for fuel fuel economy. Like that's, I think, all we really need. Because when I'm getting, you know, three hundred RPM change between ninth gear and eighth gear, and I'm going, you know, eighty miles an hour, like at that point, like one of those gears could have just not been there.
2: Yeah yeah and in fact uh that was one of my complaints with the two hundred is that uh as I was going literally seventy miles an hour down the interstate on flat ground with cruise control on, I was only in eighth gear I had to I had to either go over seventy five or manually put it in ninth gear at seventy miles an hour right It's just really odd to me. It's just this pointless gear, yeah, like why is it there? like give it to me as early as you can. You know when I'm driving smoothly, and let me get the fuel economy. And when I was going seventy miles an hour on flat ground in ninth gear, I was only turning like uh, thirteen hundred RPM. It's fantastic. Fun thing actually about the V
1: eight powered Miata, uh, with its six speed manual, because of the way the gearing is done on that that car, in sixth gear, you're turning like fifteen hundred RPMs at seventy miles an hour, so it'll do thirty miles to the gallon.
2: Oh my that's god, fantastic. You'll that's
0: fantastic. You want to see what my gallon. Miata's doing in sixth gear at sixty miles an hour? <laughs> Wanging! it's like 2600 if you're lucky <laughs> yeah. alright that's
1: so how uh, this SCI is Okay. Hey, we're going we're gonna to move on uh, uh, yeah, yeah. we're at an hour and three minutes so we're actually going to have a decently length show today alright um, so thank you for the questions please send us more questions because we love questions and questions we think are probably the best part of the show for most of you guys yeah, they Question, are. Like questions and weekly wheels the middle is just filler <laughs> alright so own drive burn from Mr. Matt Lake thank you Matt Um, Another great episode here, three cars for own, drive, burn. Number one, A45 AMG. Number two, Audi RS3. Number one, BMW 1 Series M. So he has given us a trio of incredible pocket rockets. Justin.
0: Well, okay. Um, Well, because the 1M is the oddball here, the other two are available in Hatchback. The 1M, unless he's talking about the, the M135i, which I don't think. That's a coupe only. So I will have to burn that because I love Hatchback so I'm sorry that's got to be burned Uh, drive once want to drive the Audi RS3 one time and I got to own that A45 AMG because that is the exact same engine his GLA 45 AMG had and I want to hear that crackle every single time I change gears for the rest of my life for all of eternity play that soundtrack in my coffin when you put me in the ground
2: play that funky music white boy Mark go Whoa, whoa. Um, you know, I kind of have to agree. Like, I really like that GLA, and so I think that this uh, the the forty five would be, or the the A forty five would be that that would be a fantastic thing. And the RS, um, yeah, that is a great looking little car. I it's almost a toss up between the two of those, but I think the forty five would just be a little bit better, uh, a little more fun. And the BMW, I don't know. I just it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me that much so yeah I think I'll, I'll just have to burn it.
1: All right, and you both are absolutely utterly wrong, and quite frankly, I think you're idiots. So, AMG A45 A, or Mercedes A, A A45 AMG, drive that once because all of the noise. Audi RS3, who cares? Set it on fire. BMW 1 Series M has been quoted by almost every single human being in the world who has seen it, looked at it, touched it, or heard it, or especially driven it, one of the greatest BMWs to ever be created, ever. Also, only 2,000 of them or so exist, so it's super rare. That is going to be my everyday driver. Also, it comes with a manual. It has a straight-six, turbocharged, tuned out the wazoo, I think it's like 365 horsepower or something, Mm rear-wheel drive, three pedals. Again, super rare came in this awesome, like, flaming burnt orange paint. That's what I'm going to keep every day. I will drive the AMG because all of that noise. And sorry, Audi, I love your cars. But in this scenario, you just lose out. Well, you make a darn good argument. Of course I do. That's why I'm here. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Oh, Halty says BMW has three pedals because Halty understands how the world works. Three pedals win all the time. So yes, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the TopSpeed.com podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please let us know. If you hate our show, please let us know. If you have anything else to say about our show, please let us know. You let can, us know when you listen. Yes, let us let us know when you when you listen. And again, we need questions and own drive burn suggestions. You can leave those in the comments below. You can reach us on Twitter at TopSpeedPodcast. You can reach us by email. Email address is super simple. It is Podcast at Topspeed.com. If you want to find me, Justin, or Mark directly, you can do that on Twitter. I am at Moford, that is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Justin is at The Car Junkie, and Mark is at Mark McNabb. I'm going to play some music. We're going to dance around a little bit, and our show is going to be over. We hope everyone had a wonderful time. Remember, have a super safe Friday. Have a super awesome week. Make sure you guys make it to be here next week, all right? We will see you next Thursday. Same top speed time, same top speed channel. Peace, guys.